0: Good morning, White Oak. I'm Kevin Smith, our Coleraine campus pastor. Thanks so much for joining us online. Last week, Nathan began a new series for us called One Another. In it, we're looking at several one another verses in the New Testament of our Bible. Last week, Nathan began with love one another. We began with love because it's the foundation of everything that will follow. It doesn't matter if we serve one another, if we elevate one another, or if we live out any of the other one another's. If we don't begin with love, they will all be in vain. So we begin with an attitude of love. We begin with the action of love. Last week, Nathan also introduced the idea of the bucket. That is that we are, in essence, whatever we put in our bucket of life. See, this bucket represents me and I will become whatever I put in this bucket on a daily basis. My attitudes, my actions, the way I spend my time, the people I choose to surround myself with, those all go in my bucket. Look, none of us are perfect. None of us keep our bucket completely pure. But if we say we want to live like Jesus and we keep dumping the world and the world's values into our bucket, well, like your mom says, Garbage In, Garbage Out. So this series is really about relationships. At its core, it's about how we treat one another. What's going in your bucket? What's setting you up to see people, treat people, interact with people the way Jesus would? If we pour enough love in, we have a chance to become love to others. When people see love in us, they will see Jesus. This week we're looking at the idea of serving one another. Today's big idea is that serving is not an obligation. Serving is an opportunity. So today we'll break down exactly what that means. I grew up in the church. Serving, when it comes to church life or being a Christian, go hand in hand. But there are times when serving or the call to serve inside a church can seem like an obligation. I want you to hear me. We could not exist without all our volunteers. And in this phase that we are in, regathering in the midst of COVID, producing online services like you're watching now in the midst of COVID, we could not do any of that without our awesome volunteers. But if you've been around the church long enough, you've probably found yourself in a volunteer role that felt like an obligation. Something that you got guilted into and that you had no idea how you were ever going to get out of. Sometimes when we hear the word serve, that's the image that we get. It's almost like for some of us, the more we dislike the job we're signed up for, the more it seems like work, the more righteous we feel. As if serving can't be fun or something that we actually look forward to doing. Sometimes when we feel like we have to do something we can stop loving doing that thing. A few years ago, my kids really wanted a dog. Katie and I had tried the dog thing with limited success before this, ask. My daughter Olivia was the ringleader of this venture. She said all the normal kid things. I'll love the dog. I'll save up and pay for the dog. I'll feed the dog. I'll take care of the dog. You get the point. At some point in time, my wife Katie caved and brought home Pepper, a half-German Shepherd, half-Lab mix. Our kids love Pepper, and occasionally they'll remember to feed or water her. But if I'm honest, do you know who cares for Pepper? Katie does, not me. The kids want to have a dog, but they don't always want the responsibility of owning a dog. Sometimes it feels like an obligation, and when it feels like a have to, sometimes we lose the love for doing it. Serving is not something to check off your spiritual to-do list. It's not a task you complete to receive rewards. When we talk about the phrase, serve one another, I don't want you to hear an obligation. What I want you to hear is an opportunity. The idea behind serving is all about an attitude we take on. An attitude to be more like Jesus and to see people the way Jesus saw them. In Luke chapter 14, we get a glimpse of this. Uh, Turn to your Bibles or on your phone with me. In Luke chapter 14, we find Jesus invited to a religious leader's home for dinner. Uh, While there, they're having some interesting conversations about what constitutes work on the holy day. See, in Jesus' time, Jewish people held Saturday as holy. It was the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, there was no work to be done. So they were having a discussion about what constitutes work. Basically, Jesus wanted to know if he could heal a sick person on this holy day. While in this conversation, Jesus noticed how each person positioned themselves at the table, how everyone was trying to have the best seat at the table. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. Take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humbled themselves will be exalted. Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. So Jesus tells the people at the meal a story. It really sounds like a lesson in etiquette how to behave at parties. And you may be thinking, what does this have to do with serving? Well, the act of serving begins with an attitude. And the attitude is always one of humility and surrender. The call of Jesus on our life is to see others as more important than ourselves. To place others first. As some describe the hierarchy, God, others, me. Jesus continues giving out free advice at this dinner. Let me pick up in verse 12. Then Jesus says to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. So we begin with the right attitude. Then we have that reflected in our actions. There is so much talk today about how Jesus would be in 2020. What side he would be on, what his priorities would be, would he stand up for social justice? Listen, I'm not here to try and answer all those questions, but let this line from the mouth of Jesus ring in your heart. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. I see the act of serving, whether it's in your neighborhood, in a soup kitchen, in a local school, inside the walls of a church building, I see the act of service not as an obligation, but as an opportunity. An opportunity to see people the way that Jesus does. An opportunity to value people the way that Jesus does. An opportunity that a lost and broken world might see Jesus through your actions. That serving is not an obligation. Serving is an opportunity. The phrase serve one another is found in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a group of Christians. The section of the letter we're going to look at is found in chapter 5. In this chapter, Paul tells the Christians that they were doing well, running their race or living their Christian life, but that someone cut in on them, someone caused them to stumble or get off track. He challenges them to return to the good race that they were running. And then he tells them that they have been set free. Basically, he's saying, you are free. Not an obligation, an opportunity. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. There are a couple things I want us to see here. Number one, the call is not to use this freedom that we have in Jesus to indulge in selfish actions, but instead the call is to serve one another humbly in love. Again, I didn't make this whole love is the foundation of all these one another actions up is right there in the text. The call to those who follow Jesus is to serve one another humbly in love. Number two, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Let that sink in. Do you know how much of the Old Testament is written concerning the Old Testament law? Yeah, me neither, but I think it's a lot. Seriously though, the law or obeying the law was how people, during that time, attempted to obtain righteousness. The part of the law that you are probably the most familiar with is the Ten Commandments. But most believe that there are over 611 laws found in the Old Testament that Paul is referring to. And here, Paul makes this bold statement that the entire law, basically all of your Bible before the book of Matthew, can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor. As yourself. Jesus says something similar a few times in the New Testament when asked what the greatest commandment is. I'm paraphrasing here, but in essence, Jesus responds to that question with this. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. I want to be real with you. I have often felt like serving is an obligation I have. It's something that I have to check off a to-do list. Read my Bible? Check go to church, check. Serve somewhere, check. Be generous, write a check. Anyone else out there feel like that? How do we move from seeing serving as an obligation to seeing it as a real opportunity? Well, number one, we stop seeing serving as something you do and see it as who you are. Serving is a lifestyle. When we begin to take on the role of servant, it becomes less about something we sign up for and more about who we are. Number two, we see a need, we meet a need. We need to be empowered to be 24-7 looking for ways to serve the people around us. Serving begins with an attitude of humility and submission. As we reflect back on some of what we've already learned today, we know that the call from Jesus is to reach into the brokenness of this world and serve the least of these around us, those who have no ability to repay me. In this message, in our Big Idea, we have talked a lot about motivation that obligation is not our motivator. Guilt is not our motivator. There are tons of reasons we serve or volunteer for things. Honestly, sometimes we think it will make us look good. I mean, high school students have to ask the question, will this act of service look good on my application? It's part of the world that we live in. In the book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster paints a word picture for us, separating acts of selfish intent and true acts of service. Here's some excerpts from Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Self-righteous service comes through human effort. True service comes from a relationship with the divine God deep inside. Self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. True service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Self righteous service requires external rewards. True service rests content in hiddenness. Self righteous service is highly concerned about results. True service is free from the need to calculate results. Self righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. True service is indiscriminate in its ministry. Self righteous service is affected by mood and whims. True service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. Self-righteous service is insensitive. It insists on meeting the need even when doing so would be destructive. True service can withhold the service as freely as perform it. If I'm honest, this list is hard for me. I'm convicted that there have been moments where my motives have been about being seen, making a big deal, being praised, who I was serving. Remember, that list of people Jesus told the people at the party to invite to their next banquet, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. I know myself pretty well. I struggle to show love to other people, especially people who are different than me. When I see this list from Jesus, it scares me because I know that in the past, I've avoided many of the people on the list. During my student ministry days, I used to share an illustration to make a point. Remember that this was in a time before COVID. I would share that on a Sunday, I could tell people that today, that there will be a bus in the parking lot. In one hour, it will depart for a five-day trip to serve a community struck by a tornado. Go home and pack a bag and join us as we serve in this powerful way. You know what? I bet I could get a bunch of people on that bus. Park that same bus outside the church and tell people that we're going to go to a local nursing home? That will be gone for two hours? What trip do you think gets more people? Sometimes our motives are about the adventure, about the journey. Not necessarily about the people. My point is this. There are people all around us who are hurting and broken. If we can begin to see them the way that Jesus saw them, we might begin to see a need and meet a need. Where does it all begin? It all begins with loving people. Loving people the way that Jesus loves them. He's such a great example for us. One of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture is found in the book of Philippians. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses five through 11. This is such a beautiful passage about who Jesus is, and who we are called to be. Paul starts off by telling us that our relationship with one another... Remember that I said that this series is really all about relationships? How we interact with one another? Well, here Paul says that we should follow Jesus' example and have the same view of people that he did. Jesus puts others first, so much so that he set aside his identity as God he laid down that and humbled himself and died on a cross for you and for me paul says we should do as jesus does value people the way that jesus does serve people the way that jesus does how how can we begin to do that what's in your bucket what's filling you up is it jesus are you becoming more and more like jesus every day or more and more like the world every day. The world doesn't care about people, especially people who can't offer something in return. Jesus does. The more we fill our bucket with Jesus, the more we become like him. This week, I challenge you to look for ways to serve those around you, to choose to do something uncomfortable to be loved to someone else. Today's big idea is that serving is not an obligation. Serving is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be Jesus to the world around us. Recently, I did a study of the book of Titus, and the major theme of the book is this call to do good. The phrase is used about eight times throughout this small three-chapter book. As Paul makes the call to do good, one of the reasons it gives is that in doing good, we may make the teaching about God our savior attractive. Serving is an opportunity to make the teaching of Jesus beautiful to the world around us. Serving is an opportunity to be more like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this message, God. I thank you so much for the example of Jesus. And I pray that we might learn to serve people the way that Jesus did. That we may learn to see people the way that Jesus still sees us now today. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.